Open your Bibles, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you um, do not know where the book of Deuteronomy is, uh, go to the beginning of your <clears throat> your Bible and hang a right. Uh, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. <clears throat> As I uh, prayed and meditated for this message this morning, I many hours I, I spent uh, praying and meditating on it, and and one thought kept coming back to my mind, and I kind of I kind of struggled with it a little bit, but uh, and and this was the thought: be complete. Every time I prayed about the message this morning, I just God kept putting those two words in my mind: be complete, and I, I thought, what is what does that got to do with Mother's Day? Um, but the more I meditated on it, the more I prayed about it, God started putting the pieces together for me. And <clears throat> I, I trust that this morning uh, it'll be an encouragement to you, whether you're a mother, a father, a grandparent, a friend, uh, just anybody um, who has influence over another person uh, this message uh, should be a, a help to you. I, at least it was, an, it was an encouragement to me in preparation for it, so I, I trust it will be uh, to you as well. Mother's Day means a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, the longer I've been a pastor now for uh, 13 years, I've learned that Mother's Day, uh, for some people, uh, is a, is a, the emotion of gratitude. Some people, it's an emotion of thanksgiving. Some people, it is an emotion of disappointment and even hurt. This is a this is a, a day that brings out many many emotions. I've met met ladies that absolutely love Mother's Day. They they just can't wait for it to come around. I think it's the breakfast in bed thing that gets them going. I don't know. Um, but then I, I've met many, many, many women who absolutely hate Mother's Day um, for for various reasons, and that it's not important why. It's just it, it, there's a lot of emotion. This is a day that brings out a lot of a lot of emotion. But regardless of how we feel or you feel about Mother's Day, it is a day that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, need to celebrate life. Psalm chapter 139, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's wombs. This is a, this is a, 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 a beautiful verse on the love of God in our lives before we're ever born, before at conception, this verse shows the love of God in our lives. The word possessed means create. The word reigns here. So it says, for thou hast created my reigns. The word reigns there gives the idea of your inner being, who you are down deep inside. So God created that. The, the next word here is covered. Uh, thou hast covered me. The word covered is, a, is an interesting word. Those of you 
um, that know how to knit. Uh, that, that, that word literally means to knit together. So God created my inner being and he knitted me together in my mother's womb. What an, just a beautiful, beautiful reminder of how much God loves you, even at conception. What a beautiful thing. Life is a precious gift that God has given, given each one of us. And we can all celebrate that. And the, the song that Cassie and uh, Ashley sang a few minutes ago, it, it, it made reference to the to the raising or the molding, I think it was uh, in the title, uh, the, the molding of a precious child. And for whatever reason, and it's beyond me why God chose to do this, but God chose to use you and me to raise children. Now, when I think about that, I think, boy, there could, there, there could have been a whole lot better ways to raise children than to trust me to, to do it. But he gave us that responsibility. And I want to say this, there is no one, there is no one who is an expert at raising kids. If, if, you, if, you, if you want to read a book on it and that, that person claims to be an expert on it, they're lying. Okay? <clears throat> How many of you would agree with that? Okay, because you know why? Because every kid is different. And every scenario is different. And every home is different. And what works in one home does not necessarily mean it's going to work. So, so anybody who claims to be an expert at raising kids has no clue. They're just trying to make money writing a book. Now, can you learn things from those books? Absolutely, you can learn things. But nobody on the face of the earth has ever figured it out. I want to share with you two things that I have learned as I've gotten older about parenting. Number one, that being a parent doesn't stop when your kids move out. <laughs> I was stupid enough to think that, hey, when, when, they, when I kicked them out, I was done. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. Okay? Those of us that are older, know you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> The other, the other truth that I learned, and this is important, please get this. You can be a great parent and never actually have kids. I looked up the definition of a parent in Webster's Dictionary, and this is what it said. Number one, they it gave two, well, it gave multiple, but the first two definitions were, are this. One, it brings forth offspring. Just because you can bring forth offspring doesn't make you a good parent. Okay? The second definition is this. A person who brings up and cares for another. Parenting is a lifelong process full of responsibilities, full of ups and downs, disappointments and discouragements, <clears throat> great times, Bad time. I mean, it, the, the, you get the emotional swings. I remember when uh, we brought Ashley home from the hospital, uh, 
after, obviously, after she was born. Um, um, and I, I remember standing in the living room, and I, I, this literally happened. I, I remember standing in the living room, and then I was overwhelmed with the responsibility that I held in my hands. And I looked at Melanie, and I said, where's the instruction book? I need I need to look at the pictures, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a picture guy, okay? Just say, um, if if you give me an instruction book that doesn't have pictures, throw it away, okay? Just say. But no, seriously, I did. I looked at Melanie. I said, "Where's the instruction book?" I I was I was literally scared to death because all of a sudden we were home from the hospital, and that awesome responsibility that that just kind of sank in and I thought what do we do well the truth is we have been given an instruction booklet it's called the Bible God has given us the responsibility to raise children and he has not given us a how do I want to say this he, he, he's given us the responsibility, but he's not left us hopeless. He's given us an instruction book. One of the passages that we frequented uh, in raising our children is found in Deuteronomy. If you haven't figured it out yet, uh, Deuteronomy, and uh, let's, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and let's read. Uh, verses 4 through 9. It says, Oh, hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou, hast, uh, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words, which I command you this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt teach them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest in the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy head, and, th- and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we look at your word this morning, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and that you would help us. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Earlier I said that every time I I started praying and meditating on the message, I came up with the idea of to be complete. So quite simply, I had to to entitle it that, just be complete. Be complete. I want to emphasize, and as I I thought about it, I want to overemphasize be complete. Because what it does not, what the title of my message does not say is be perfect. Because none of us can be. None of us will be. 
but we can be complete. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, we just read uh, a template, if you would, for mentoring or molding or raising children. Again, I, I, this idea of mentoring and molding is a word, is an idea that I that I'm very specific about this morning. Because what does it mean to mentor or to mold a child? It means to pour into them and to be a part of their lives. Mentoring carries the idea of influence, and I want to stop right here and say this: regardless if you're a parent whether you're a grandparent or, I mean, it doesn't matter. Everyone, everyone in this room has influence over someone else. And the principles that we're going to learn this morning are, are across the board. It doesn't matter if you're a parent, a grandparent, it doesn't matter. You have influence. And hopefully the message this morning will encourage you in your walk with the Lord. That's, that's my goal. Proverbs chapter 22 in verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Again, the idea of training, mentoring, molding, raising. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, Iron sharpeneth iron, so, the, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Again, that idea of mentoring, counseling, uh, molding, all of uh, inclusive there in, De- in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9 the Jews call this portion of scripture the Shema okay this is an interesting word I, I never knew this until I studied this <clears throat> but the word Shema is where we get the word schematic Okay, how many of you know what a schematic is? Okay, I got a picture of one for you. <clears throat> this is a schematic. Okay, what what does a what does a schematic do? It confuses you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it confuses you. But if you know how to read a schematic, it tells you how to troubleshoot problems. I could have put a, a, a building blueprint up here. It's the same thing. But a schematic, the word, the word schema means schematic. So what, what the Jews believe is that Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, is a schematic, if you would, on how to raise children or how to better influence people. So, <clears throat> now... Schematics, when you when you take a look at this, if you have no clue what you're looking at, it can become overwhelming. So what I did is I got another schematic that is quite a bit simpler. And we can look at this schematic and say, oh, okay, well, okay, you got a buzzer here, and then you have a ground wire here, and you have a switch here, and, and you can go through and you can, oh, okay, I got this, I can figure this out. The truth is that once you learn how to read a schematic, they're not that difficult. Can you go back to the to the original one? 
I want to try and simplify it because when you look at this all at once, it's it's overwhelming. But if you uh, if you understand how to read a schematic, it, it's really pretty simple. You just you just start at a point and follow the line, and it tells you everything you need to know about that that particular circuit. So. <clears throat> The way you read a schematic is you break it down into small bites, if you would. So, like, uh, I'll just pick one here. Uh, this this little switch right here, just follow the line over to here, and then it also comes up over to here. So, uh, you see, it, it, it simplifies everything if you know how to read it. But when you get that first glance, it's like, whoa! And sometimes... The Word of God will do the same thing. We can read, we can read this, this schematic in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and we go, whoa, there's no way I could do that. But if you take it one step at a time, you can. We all can. So, let's, if you would break it down so that we can all understand it. The schematic that is given to us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Point number one this morning. It starts with you. It's really pretty simple. It starts with you. Look at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I, which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Verses 4 through 6 is talking to you, to me. So the schematic, if you would, starts with us, with me, with you. Really pretty simple. And then we'll break it down a little little further than that. Inside these verses, God gives us two steps to to knowing God. The first step is to know God. Look at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one Lord. One Lord. There is no other God. Just Him. That's it. Know Him. He is identifying Himself as Elohim which means is the Jewish word for Jehovah is one God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. The, 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 the name for God in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 1 is Elohim, one God. In the beginning, there was one God. That's it. And before we can start to teach other people 
about God, particularly children or whoever we influence, we need to settle in our own hearts who God is in our lives. Is God the God in your life? Is he the God? Or do you have multiple gods in your life? And I'm not going to stand up here and name off things that could be God's. No, that's between you and God. But is He the God in your life? If He's not the God in your life, then He needs to be. Because you cannot teach your children or anybody else about God if He is not the God in your life. Period. The second thing. Step two is to love God. Look at verse five. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy, soul, all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That is a command, by the way. Just, just thought I'd throw that out there. It's, it's a non-optional thing in your life. If God is going to be God in your life, then love him. That's what, that's what Moses is saying here. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. <clears throat> how, do we, how do we love God? Moses gives us the answer to that. With all thine heart. With all thy heart. That is the center. That is When, when we, we talked about that, that verse in Psalms earlier, uh, the reins is talking about the center of who we are. It is that inner being. So how do we love God? We start by by loving Him with all of our heart, that innermost part of who you are. With all thy soul, that is is your feelings and desires. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That is our physical. So... The three elements with all thy, thy, thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, it is, it is encompassing everything about us, our spirit, our soul, and our body. So how do we love God? We love God every way we can. All that is in us we are supposed to love God with. See, if we, if we say, okay, well, I, I will love God with every area of my life except, I don't know, entertainment or whatever. You, you pick it. It doesn't really matter. Then you are not loving God with all you have. And what Moses is saying here is as, as we look at the schematic of how to be a good parent it starts with us knowing God and loving God because if we don't love God how can we communicate that to our little people we can't Psalm chapter 103 verse 1 bless the Lord O my soul and all that is in me excuse me that is within me 
Bless his holy name. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Be complete. Being complete starts with us knowing knowing God and loving God. It starts with you. The simple truth is this. If you don't know these things for a fact, then you cannot teach them. I, I have known people in the past that have had a desire to raise godly children, but they had no desire to live a godly life. Guess what you're going to have? You're going to have chaos. Because it's not the church's responsibility to raise your children. It's yours. Now the church's responsibility is to come alongside you and help you to the best of our ability. But ultimately the responsibility is yours. So, to be complete, number one, starts with you. Number two, lived through you lived through you. Look at verses 6 to 9. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt um, talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou uh, walkest in the way, and when thou liest down, and when they ri- thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them <clears throat> Uh, for a sign upon thy hand and upon uh, and they excuse me upon thy hand and they shall be frontless before thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thine house and thy gate again i want to i want to reemphasize this the, the the jews called this portion of scripture the schematic the, 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 the schematic on how to raise a godly family. And they took this passage literally. I have a picture for you. Picture number three. Boom. Okay, there's a couple of things I want to point out here. <laughs> Even today, because uh, this is a, obviously a modern-day picture of an uh, Israeli soldier, um, <clears throat> there's a couple of things here that I want to point out. Uh, and the, uh, uh, phylacteries. Have you you ever heard of a phylactery? It's a Jewish word. Okay, I want to point this out to you because you, it, it may be hard to see here in this picture, but it, this was the best picture I could find. Uh, up here on his forehead. Okay, and then right here on his arm with the with these these leather straps around his hand and his arm here. The phylactery. Uh, <clears throat> It are little boxes. Again, I, I don't know if you can see them, but they're, they're little boxes, probably about an uh, inch and a half or two inches square. And they would literally wear them on their forehead. And the passage we just, we just read, it says, And thou shalt bind them as a sign uh, upon thy hand, hence the leather strap and then the box on the arm, and... Um, and uh, shalt be as frontlets between thine eyes. And that's the, the phylactery on the forehead and the phylactery on the arm uh, signifying or, or showing it on the hand. <clears throat> what these little boxes are, they're little leather boxes. Um, 
and they have scripture in them. And so the Jews would wear these literally uh, to show their, their dedication, if you would, to God. Another thing that they would do is, and, and I think I'm saying this right, but a, 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 mez, a, mez, a mezu, mezuzah, mezuzah? Anyway, whatever. I, I know I'm butchering it, but anyway. Um, the next picture, please. Have you ever seen one of these? Okay, the, the, this here is uh, something you will see uh, today on the, the doorpost of, of most Jewish homes. Um, uh, again, it, it, is, uh, it contains scripture and uh, little portions of scripture that they put in there. Um, Psalm chapter 121 in verse 8 says, The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth forevermore. So the Jewish families would put these on their on their doorposts. Can we go back to that picture, Chris, for a second? Um, not only did they put them on their their front their front door, but they would uh, the the more faithful and the more religious Jews will actually put them on every doorway in their house. And <clears throat> the reason they would do this was to symbolize that their house is a sanctuary for God. Does that make sense? I mean, that's why they would do this. I have a question for you. And this is not a, this is not a, I'm not trying to criticize or anything, but I'm just asking a question. Does God want us to wear phylacteries and put these things on our doorposts? No. But he does want us to make our homes a sanctuary for God. As I was reading this and studying this, uh, I was reminded of, of, of Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 5. He says, But all their works they, uh, they do to be, for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. So what, 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 what was happening? Uh, initially, when the phylactery thing started, they were very small and insignificant. But to show people how religious they were, their phylacteries got bigger and bigger and bigger. And their, their garments, and again, it was, it was part of the, the religious part of their, their faith, um, their, their garments got bigger. So, so all of a sudden it became about what others thought instead of what was really taking place in their hearts. And I'll be honest with you, Christians are no different today than the Jews are. Than the Jews are. We are all about what people see. The, the image that is being portrayed, we all want to put out this good image. But is that what's really happening in our homes? I have another question for you. Kind of a rhetorical question. But is God 
more concerned about what people see or is he more concerned about what's going on in our hearts? He is far, far more concerned about what's going on in our hearts. Far more concerned. Because if our hearts are right and our hearts are seeking Him and having a desire to know Him and to love Him, then the outside takes care of itself. But the Jews started, I think they started with a good intent, but it got out of hand. And it all it came about, it became all about what other people saw and thought. When the Jewish people in Deuteronomy chapter 6, they, they read the, the, the schematic, they forgot the first part of the schematic, and that is it starts with you. They got so consumed with doing all of this stuff that they forgot about their own hearts. We are to teach this truth to our children. Every waking minute. My wife was a whole lot better at doing this than I was. I'm just being honest. My wife, she was amazing. We, we would, we'd be walking with the kids in the park and she'd be pointing out, boy, look at these flowers that God made. Look at, look at, look at the birds. And, and she was constantly bringing up God and, and, and constantly bragging on God. But what, what is specifically, what is God saying here? Uh, sitting in your house, talk about God at the dinner table. Make God a normal part of the conversation, not a, oh man, we got to talk about God again. But no, we should have a desire. We should have this, this desire to talk about God. God should be a normal conversation in our homes. While walking outside in, in, in God's creation, be pointing this stuff out to your kids. Uh, when, thou, when, when, when thou goest to bed, he, he, you know, when you, when you go to... I, <clears throat> our son Tim, I, I don't know, he went through a period of time, I want to say for two or three years, where he would wake up with nightmares. I, I'm sure many of you parents uh, had a one or all of your kids do that. And... Um, uh, my wife was such a blessing. She would get up and, and she would go in there. You know, me, I'd probably go in and yell at the poor guy, you know. But anyway, she would get up and go in there and she would, she would recite, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And she even made up a little song about it so that whenever she would go in and he'd be scared about whatever dream he had, she would sit on the, and she'd start singing this song to him. What was she doing? She was talking about God and how the goodness of God. Hey, Tim, Timmy, there's no reason to be afraid because God is in control. So what is the point here? The point isn't literally every time you sit down, every time you get up, every... No, make God part of your life, every area of your life, and talk about Him. Talk about Him all the time.
we all know how we live. And so do our kids. You, you know, uh, one of the things that you, you as parents should never do is let your kids spend the night at someone else's house. And the reason why is because your kid will tell everything about you. Okay, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, we didn't let our kids spend the night much, and do, but when we did let somebody else's kids come to our house, man, we learned so much. They'll tell everything. And, and, and hey, and let me tell you this. As a pastors, uh, as a pastor, man, they'll tell me stuff you don't want me to know. Just saying. Kids know how you live. Kids know your house. Your obsessions become their obsessions. Your language becomes their language. Your priorities become their priorities whether you want it or not. I remember <clears throat> when Ashley was old enough, when she started talking, she repeated something I said. It wasn't really necessarily bad. It just was like, whoa, I need to be careful. Because she's, she's repeating what I say. So, number one, be complete. Starts with you. Number two, uh, it is lived through you. And then number three, stay consistent. Stay consistent. If there is one word that is absolutely vital in parenting, it is that word, consistent. If it's wrong today, it's wrong tomorrow, it's wrong the next day. Period. Stay consistent. One of the hardest problems, one of the hardest things, and I know, I've, I was a parent. I, I am a parent. I'm a grandparent. One of the hardest things is being consistent. Because oftentimes what happens is something happens and we say, no, you can't do that. Well, the next day you're tired. And you're not feeling as strong as you were the day before or the week before. And they start drag, ragging on you. Well, come on, let me go. Let me do this. Let me go here. Okay, okay, just shut up. Go. We've all been there. But you can't do that. God is consistent in our lives. And we need to be consistent in the lives of our young people. Let's read verses 10. Uh, 10 to 12, and, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy father and to, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give thee uh, a great, uh, uh, excuse me, great and goodly cities thou shalt, uh, which thou buildest not, the houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou dig, diggest not. Vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. And thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware. Thou forgettest the Lord, which brought thee out of the land 
of Egypt from the house of bondage. What is the what is the what is the warning here? The warning is here is to stay alert. The word beware literally means to stay alert, but it has also a, a kind of a side emphasis, and it is the word you. You beware. You stay attentive. You stay on top of things. It is your responsibility to stay consistent with your children. because your children are the most precious thing you have. Period. I want to read you a quote from a guy named C.H. Spurgeon. C.H. Spurgeon wrote this quote uh, in reference to pastors. But when I read this quote, I thought, man, this this could be applied to parenting even better, I think. So, as, again, as I read it, understand he wrote it from a pastor to other pastors, but I, I believe it embodies the struggle of parents as well. He says this, A man's life is always more forcible than his speech. When he takes, uh, uh, excuse me, when men take stock of him, we reckon his deeds as dollars and his words as pennies. If his life and doctrine disagree, the masses of onlookers accept his practice and reject his preaching. What is he saying there? If a pastor doesn't live what he preaches, people won't listen to him. Parents, I have, a, I have a, a, an eye-opener here for you. Kids are watching you. And your deeds are far more valuable than your words. And if your life is not consistent, you're doing your children a, dis- a disservice. And those of us that are older, the grandparent age... <laughs> We know very well what I just said is absolutely true. Your kids are watching you. Your obsessions become their obsessions. Your likes become their likes. Your priorities become their priorities, whether you want them to or not. Let me close with this. What does your home look like? What does your life look like? Because that's what your kid's life is going to look like. It's pretty simple. God's given us the schematic. Know Him, love Him, and live Him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we come together this morning and around your word, the reality is this. We have all made mistakes in parenting. We have all made mistakes in mentoring. It is impossible to go back and fix the wrongs that have happened. It's impossible. 
but we can do right moving forward. And Lord, I ask as we bring our service to an end that you help us to remember the fact that you have given us the opportunity and the privilege to mold the children that you've brought into our lives. Not just the children, but the people that you've brought into our lives. And Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom and that you would help us. Help us to serve you. We are truly thankful and grateful for all that you do. With every head bowed and every 